0: They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are The Luminaries. After a devastating heartbreak, the writer and editor Jillian Anthony launched the Cruel Summer Book Club, a newsletter and forum for dealing with loss and grief. She joins me to talk about the newsletter and the community that has formed around it. I hope you enjoy it. Jillian Anthony, welcome to my domain.
1: Here I am.
0: Hi. This is a major honor. You ju- we just now you said something amazing, which is you texted your mom yesterday and said like, "I've been in New York for eight fucking years."
1: I I like I mean my eight year anniversary was uh, December thirtieth. Okay. So it just happened a bit ago, which actually was already a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I texted my mom. I was like, "I've lived here eight fucking years." <laughs> It's not okay. It's surreal.
0: (laughs) It's really surreal. And it's surreal, like, how much... I don't know. When I look back on earlier self-incarnations in New York, I'm just like, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Which is exciting.
1: I have been... I mean, I've been thinking about that so much. Um, The various lives I have lived in these eight years. Mm -hmm. I mean... I have seen huge shifts in who I am and and what I'm pursuing, I would say, every two years. And I think about that so much with, like, people that are, uh, are, you know, when they're 26, they're married, they're having kids, like... Um, I just can't, I, that's amazing. But how do you continue to, cause are they also changing? I'm sure they are, right? Everybody is. So are they, how do you continue to change like that? And I feel like I'm almost 32. I still feel like a fetus. Like how to, how are people doing this? Can out I say there? something?
0: Okay. I don't know if you had this. Obviously, people, I'm turning 30, a lot of people my age are getting married, yes. and a lot of them are, I'm getting the invitations, this is going to sound so mean, but just, you know what, I'm I'm single and alone, so I'm not trying to sound <laughs> like I'm triumphant, they're all getting married, Fair. they're fine. <laughs> they're getting married in a lot of the same venues where we had our bar and bat mitzvah parties, and the oh, invitations wow. so look are, the same.
1: These are Texas. In these place. are my
0: Texas people. Okay. And I'm just like, oh, it's literally gone Back Like, we've we've just cycled all the way back. We're just having another bat mitzvah party. And it is—I've had that, too, where I'm like,
1: has anything changed? It's very scary. Are they marrying people you—like, are they marrying school people that you also knew back then?
0: Some are, and some might as well be because—God, again, I sound so bitchy, but I'm like, I don't really see the difference between meeting someone at Jewish private school or meeting someone in your Jewish sorority fraternity mixer. So I'm not going to, (laughs) like— say that any of them did so well (laughs) at uh, diversifying (laughs) I did not mean to take us on a bitter tangent I'm just saying like it is weird because they are also making these huge like adult leaps into marriage but and I again I still feel like a potato child right and (laughs) I was like what would it even take for me to be able to adopt a pet like what steps do I need to take in my life to like do that huge leap that sort of thing are you
1: thinking about
0: that I am. Okay. Uh, the oh, wow. on difficult. Christmas, the mushroom, the mushrooms told me Holiday that. Holiday shrooms. The guy. Just a dose. Yeah. Uh, they yeah, and I texted Spike Einbinder, uh, dog master, and they were like, "You're gonna start volunteering with me, then you'll foster, and then you'll adopt." Oh
1: my gosh. But I
0: I need another year to get fully financially yeah. solvent. See, I can't I even it. do that. I need to, like, learn how to pay bills first. I'm, yeah. I'm a baby.
1: I very much get it. I have had a cat for seven years, and she is the love of my life, as yes. you're very much aware. And her a name, model. Yeah, and a model, and um, a true skinny legend. She is body goals for me and all of us. Um, she doesn't
0: even work out.
1: She <laughs> naturally, thin. Uh, she weighs seven pounds and will her whole life. Um, but... Um, Um, I, I've had her a long time. She's been amazing, but I've, I've very much long wanted a dog. Um, but I still feel I'm like, I'm probably about three years out from having a dog Mm -hmm. because I'm just not settled enough. Um, I want to have my own place. I want to be like in a more of a home home and I like, I'm not ready to not go to the bar after work, you know? I know.
0: (laughs) I I know. It's a spontaneous city. Yeah were you to start over somewhere else at some point in your 30s
1: well I'm, and i definitely will so.
0: yeah i'm i'm really curious because i assume eight years ago you moved here in your like early to mid20s yeah
1: i was um 24 i believe oh wow it Same. was very late in 2011. Um, and I moved with, um, a friend from high school, Shaddy, who we still see wow. all the time. We, uh, he was my first roommate here.
0: Ancient one, friend of the podcast, of the po- demonic <laughs> entity. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, we lived together in Bushwick. We each paid $825, um, for a two bedroom. Um, I vividly remember that apartment for all sorts of reasons. Like, I mean, Bushwick was not at all the way it is now. Like we didn't even have coffee shops or anything like mm. that around, um, My Girls hadn't
0: even come out yet. Girls
1: had not come out, had not warped (laughs) my sense of (laughs) self. There was this beautiful tree in the backyard um, outside my window, which also had barbed wire around it. Um, But, like, I remember tracking time through, like, that tree changing and the really nice rustling. There were also, like, that was my second East Coast year. So I remember vividly the, like, crazy loud thunderstorms Mm. and the lightning I would hear in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And I also remember the demonic cat sounds cats having sex. The insane sounds of that. There is nothing
0: like that. (laughs) I remember the one of the first summers I think I was 18 or 19 because I would go to Israel every summer and I would I stayed with my grandmother and I'd of course sneak out every night get back at 5 a.m. and the cats were fucking it, it was It was outrageous. And I was like, what is going on? They're so loud. They're so horny.
1: Do you know why it's like that?
0: uh isn't heat supposed to be like actually painful and agonizing
1: so cat dicks are spiky and i'm gonna get real graphic here for a second so um that is because um it's like it helps with fertility because the first cat dick goes in and like basically rips it up in Mm. there and then the next cat that comes along and has sex with them that's like it's easier to impregnate them and I'm not a scientist or a doctor, so, like, you know, fact check the hell out of this. But you are a but... cat woman. <laughs> but, I... <laughs> but I do a cat <laughs> Anyways, I'm I'm glad that's not how it is for us. You know? I
0: guess, well, because I moved here when I was 24 and I was definitely running from a lot of issues and they all followed me. And moving to New York, I was so out of it for the first two months to two years. And I'm just curious, like, if you were to move and resettle at some point in your 30s, like, how you feel it might be different from when you moved here when you were 24, you know? Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. Oh, God. I, like, hopefully so different. I mean, I would be financially okay which is a big big difference yes um i would have a much stronger sense of self um i would be more like willing to wait for it in terms of like apartments and you know it's just like i'm much more assured now like what you're looking for is out there and you're gonna find it Mm. just like you know if take that apartment for a month and keep looking or whatever um and I also am really like I I know that when I move to a new city as an adult, um, that's going to be hard as far as making community, making friends, because when I moved to New York, I only knew Shaddy for a year and a half. Like he was my mm-hmm. only friend here. Um, and that was really hard. And it's going to be harder now because I'm not young anymore and, you know, like out of the bars all the time and whatever. Um so I'll have to do really conscious things like go to a watercoloring class <laughs> and, you know, join a hiking group. And that and I will, and that'll oh, be and fine. and will slay. <laughs> yeah, and I will slay. But um, I do think that I really I want to be very conscious of that and, give, you know, okay, the first year might be really hard and it's going to take time to build. I would say, like, it takes two years to really get your sense of place and, like, your people anywhere, you know?
0: Something I'm learning that I – I wish I could have learned this at a younger age, is that things are actually not supposed to be difficult. Mm. Things can be hard, but um, I spent my 20s, everything was so willful and therefore so agonizing because I was incapable of, like, listening to any signs. So I was always just, like... God, you know, like I just could not listen to what was coming at me. I had to do everything my way and everything was just this agonizing climb. And now I'm starting to maybe sometimes like tune in to like, oh, there's this option that's available. It may not be the thing you thought or imagine for yourself, but why don't you see what happens? And of course, always that's the easiest way. But I know I spent a lot of my twenties like having to force things, and it just could have been a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Do you? Th- I. What I'm hearing from that is, and something I'm still like very much learning, but I'm much better at is intuition. Yes. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah.
0: I never allowed for any intuition. If you then the listen, flip what open. it's always there. Yes. Yes.
1: So like building that skill is, and I'm definitely still doing that, but I. I just every time I look back at something and I'm, I felt it and it was there, you know. Yes. And when I listen to it, it's great. I, I succeed. I slay. But when I don't, um, it ends up painful. So yes,
0: yeah. uh, like this, the I'm moving and it really this new apartment I'm moving into just like literally just dropped in my lap and so excited. For there traveling. was a minute where I was like, "Well, this isn't what I was planning," and eventually I had to be like, "Deb, this is it." <laughs> You need to not be fight—like, not everything needs to be a fucking fight against the world, and you need yeah. to take it. And it's going to be great, but, yeah, I wish I had saved myself about a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of my 20s, in 2015, you hired me Ugh. at Timeout New York, which— uh, without uh, without you doing that, none of this would be happening. I don't even know where – I truly have no idea where I would be or who I would be talking to because yeah. that it did lead me to find my community. Yeah. You are my literal community. And then through the job, I was able to, to like, find another commu- – like, an expanded community that I feel like is always going to be expanding. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm a part of this constellation thanks to you.
1: So sweet. Thank you. That makes me really happy to hear.
0: Thank you. Um, So after you left Time Out um, and started at Culture Trip, this summer you started what we're here to discuss, which is the Cruel Summer Book Club. Yes. So I want to start with um, as much as you'd like to share of the Mm -hmm. origin and genesis of the Cruel Summer Book Club and what it is for people who don't know.
1: Yeah, um, let's get to Cruel Summer Book Club but before we do that, I just wanted to say that um, while I was on my way over here, I was thinking of how clearly I remember the day that I met you. Like, so clearly. uh, We were in our office on 10th Avenue. You came to interview. You had on those gray square glasses. Yeah, the
0: Hannah Gatsby glasses. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what I I remember. And, like, your hair was, like, longer. Um, And I so, like, I remember your, I just liked you immediately. I like your. I remember your affectations. Like, and, uh, you know, I hired you. You were far and away the best person I hired you. you. We worked together for years. But um, you were also, like, my. you became my dear friend. And, you know, it's all expanded from there. But, yeah, I, I remember the very specific day we, we met.
0: I remember, I think on my first day, you saw that I was, like, does she like me? What's going to happen? And then you saw that I had an Alyssa Edwards phone case, and (laughs) I saw, like, a glimmer in your eye, and I was like, oh. And we, like, started connecting, and I was like, there's something there that wasn't there before. (laughs) And then it was great because I felt like, I'm sure you felt this too, because, like, you have similar tastes to me, and I often felt like one of us would be alone trying to explain to the rest of the staff, like... Oh, yeah. Well, frankly, you and I both teamed up where we were like, okay, Billy Eichner needs to be in this fucking magazine. Like, we can't have Time Out New York without doing a Billy Eichner feature. And I remember being like, oh, thank God Jill and I understand each other. And there were a few of those where, like, yeah, where, like, the other editors were like, wait, it's called High Maintenance? What is it? And I'd be like, Jill, can you back me up here? You know, so it was so great because I I did feel like we were... And it was great because you trusted me. And Mm -hmm. I remember this was in 2016 Mm -hmm. when I was like, okay, there's this podcast called Las Culturistas. And I was like, we need to do a story on them. But also, Jill, you need to listen to them because you're going to be obsessed. (laughs) And it was one of those... And I remember you were like... There's this comedian named Mike Kelton. I live and die by him. The world needs to know. And that was in, like, 2016.
1: Yeah, what is so special about um, Time Out is the opportunities it gave us to make friends with people we were just obsessed with. From <laughs> comedy, you know, uh, like, cabaret shows. I got to interview Bridget Everett. I mean, my God. It, Mike Kelton's one of my good friends now. Like, it goes on and on and on. We're That was such an amazing part of working there.
0: And it's just so weird because... A lot of... I forget a lot of the people we wrote about, and I'm like, oh, that came out of my ass. (laughs) Like, a lot of the, like, early comedians-to-watch, like, lists that I did really were when I had very little experience and knew very little, but a lot of those people... Are huge now. And it's crazy, because it was like, oh, they really just let me do whatever I wanted.
1: There was a lot of autonomy. It was Which was nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And... Yeah and you also like you did the my New York section and then you gave it to me which was like the best. That
1: was a really fun section to do. Yeah. And, and all the people you talked to were so interesting. Likewise. Mm-hmm. And
0: you were the one who was like the unspoken rule. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not if they're not literally queer, they need to just be like fabulous like we're not (laughs) featuring boring people and like all the people were divine yeah and also it's a year ago but the my new york interview that i do credit with like kind of changing my life when i interviewed kathleen turner
1: oh oh my gosh a truly momentous (laughs) moment for you
0: and she was like
1: how old are you? And I was
0: like <laughs> – that was really bad. She was like, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 28. And she was like, this is the age where you need to be taking risks. Ugh. And I was like, Kathleen Turner, I will not let you down. And, and
1: how and how soon after that did you quit? How
0: soon after that did I quit? Exactly. Yeah. Things just like pretty much evolved from there. So thank you. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so – We Yeah, and I want to talk more about your journey, too, but um, getting back to my little project. um, Right. So,
0: yeah, you, since time out, uh, now have, like, an even bigger, like, national editorial position at Culture Trip. Yes. And in the midst of all that, launched your own uh, project. Yes. Which I would love to hear about.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah. So I was uh, at Time Out New York for four years. I was um, editor in, uh, editor for the last like year and a half or so. Two years I was there. Good times. Um, good times. <laughs> and then uh, I went over to Culture Trip. I'm deputy editorial director there. Um, so I'm in charge of all like North and South America content. Yes. Just to give my little career rundown. That's
0: two continents. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, um, yeah, so this summer, um, I went through a really hard breakup that, you know, was really painful. And um, I have I, – I consider myself a writer, but I have not been writing a lot for the past two to three years mm-hmm. because I've been in managerial and edit- editing positions. Um, and I've long wanted to do my own project, but I haven't really, like – I've never settled on one thing I wanted to do. So when this happened, um, I was going through a lot – And um, I just kind of kept coming back to this idea for a project centered around heartbreak and grief because I have felt that heartbreak has really been a really big part of my life, very formative for me. Um, I have been through several breakups that really rocked me. Um, This was definitely one of them. And I was... I think the true impetus of it was like I was tired of being silent about that experience. I, I It's also it's it's so incredibly universal. Every single person will go through that, if not, you know, f- six times like me um once. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I was tired of being like I was tired of feeling shame about feeling that way. Mm. I was tired of not being able to like write about those things in a thoughtful, meaningful way because it was so it was so on my mind and so consuming. And so um, I started doing uh, Jamie Attenberg. She's an author on Twitter. She does uh, hashtag 1000 words of summer, I think, is the hashtag. And it's like basically um, for 30 days, you write a thousand words. And so I started doing that um, and I, I just started tinkering with an idea of what this project could be. And so I kept coming up with ideas. I talked it over with several friends about, like, what could this look like? Is the, Am I insane? Because I was so in the depths of grief that, like, I was very untrustworthy of my own feelings and like if i was thinking clearly um the last thing i want the project to be would be my diary entries like that's Mm. absolutely you know that would be horrendous um and i wouldn't want to be embarrassed by you know obviously i've been through this before you you feel differently about grief Three months out, six months out, a year out, five years out, like it's going to keep going. And so I didn't I wouldn't want to look back on this and like cringe. Um, And yeah. So anyways, I I kept formulating ideas. I came up with a newsletter. Um, It's called Cruel Summer Book Club. And the tagline is um, a newsletter about grief, loss and heartbreak and how we all get through it. And so I, uh, it's weekly. It's free. It comes out on Tuesdays. Um, it's Cruel Summer Book Club. Substack. Com, and on every other week um, in the beginning, it, I stuck very carefully to. It was like a personal missive from me. So you know, some talking about something I'm thinking about or going through, and then a bunch of little. Uh, links to, like, things I'm reading, books I'm reading. I did a ton of self-help reading over the Mm. summer. But also, you know, just, like, those things connected me to greater things to think about. Um, And so I'd write about the books. Like, I wrote about... um, once again once more we saw stars by Jason Green, which is a, a memoir about him losing his two year old daughter mm. um, and then I actually interviewed him so the, sec- the the next iteration every other week would be me interviewing other people so I interviewed Jason Green um, I interviewed uh, this psychologist um, oh gosh, am I gonna blink on his name now Oh. Um, Guy Winch, sorry. Mm. this psychologist, Guy Winch, um, he is a TED Talker and also wrote a book, um, How to Fix a Broken Heart. I interviewed him just about the science behind grief and what I was going through. Um, Guest essay
0: and interview by friend of the pod, media queen, uh, Sam Stallard.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. Um, So at the same time, my best friend, beloved angel, Sam Stallard, um, she literally two weeks before my breakup, she called off her engagement and moved away. And so um, we were both fucking going through it. So, um, so you know, she was a, a deep support system during this time. She still is. I mean, I'm going to tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I am flying to Atlanta yes. to see her um, and to celebrate her new home. Um, and I'm really excited about that. But, yeah, we so we interviewed each other um, about what we were going through and supporting each other. Um, and then... A few months later, when uh, her what was going to be her wedding weekend passed, I interviewed we were in Long Island drinking wine together, classically, um, (laughs) famously, but uh, I interviewed her again about just where she was at and how she was feeling. Um, So, yeah, that's how it's going. And. Um, it's still evolving. Uh, it's, it's kind of evolving into now, you know, I'm in a different place in grief. I've like the bulk of it is over. The, the fire has run its course for the most part. Um, you know, I'm still definitely like rearranging my life in a way that makes sense to what I'm going through now and all that. But I'm, I'm still thinking about like, what is this project going to be? How can it be sustainable for me? Um, I want it to be conversations with women about their lives Mm -hmm. and about change. Um, and, yeah, it's it's still formulating.
0: You said so many interesting things um, that I want to go through. Um, the first was about you, like, not wanting to feel silent and not fe- wanting to feel shame. I'm going through this thing right now. You know, I did my first solo show in January. I'm doing it again in March. And I had this moment when it was over of being like, okay, that's done. I don't really want to do that again. Yeah. And what I'm realizing, because I've been having a really, really rough few weeks, what I'm realizing is, like, oh, I actually need to do this show. Like, this show actually was saving me. This yeah. show became my way of dealing, of processing, of liberating myself because, for various reasons, I've never had that space before and I've never had had the means to communicate. My feelings, my inner rage, all of that. So, like, this show isn't just, like, this experiment. It's actually this, like, vital, um, purifying, cleansing, nurturing uh, – recycling sustaining force and I love that you said like okay actually like I need this I need Mm to be doing this thing to like get this shit out and not have to pretend that you're okay Mm -hmm.
1: like I think that's amazing thank you yeah and I, I that's exactly it it's like I'm actually not gonna sit here silent for the months that I'm hurting and not myself totally and I'm a writer and I'm going to write about it in a respectful, creative way that is true to what I'm going through and makes sense for me. And that w- that's what's so amazing about your project, too. I, I was at Rebirth. Yes, It was amazing. Uh, and, you know, if you don't have a solo show with a duplex, do you exist? Honey? <laughs> don't talk sure to don't. me. <laughs> but um, it was truly amazing. And I... You know, me and you have talked about some of those things that you discuss in your show, but I I just learned so much about you, and I was astounded by the bravery and vulnerability that you put through. And people are not living their lives in that vulnerable way. I think that's like... I can be proud of myself for that because Mm -hmm. people are sitting on their hands and and you did for years, I would say, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you, before you tackled any of this, like, let alone in therapy and then to put it on a public stage and put your deepest shame, deepest pain out there for everyone to see. I mean, that to me, was so inspiring and magical. And I, I know that that healed you so much like I can very much understand why you're going having a few hard weeks because it's not like you did it once and oh I'm done with that now I'm great that's not how it works Um, but to expel shame is so horrific in our lives and to expel that shame and be like this is not going to control me and i'm not going to be a quiet little victim and i am actually going to like be proud of who i am and how i feel i mean your show was incredible
0: and i love that about you know in some ways back to what we were talking about when we started the conversation about like a lot of people we know our age are getting married and, like, taking their wedding photos and posting them on Facebook and everything is fine and perfect. And, I like, the idea of you being like, okay, look. (laughs) Like, I understand you're all posting your, like, gorgeous uh, photos, your vacation photos this summer. I'm actually in hell. I don't know if this is gonna end. I feel psycho. And we're all just, like, you can opt in or opt out bitch but like i'm going to give it to you like i yeah. that really does take a lot and Thank now you. you can like i think i've seen it evolve and now i think it it like can cover a whole spectrum of grief experiences mm-hmm. right
1: yeah i mean that's the that's the thing about thinking about grief as i have over these months and talking and interviewing people about their grief is so many different things so many forms we're all living with it mm-hmm. in different ways we will all experience deep grief because you know it, it's coming for us and I think that's like something else that I just have thought about so much during this time period and this is not in a negative way um, one of the most formative books I read that I wrote about in the newsletter too was when things fall apart um, and it's just all about your whole life things will come together fall apart come together fall apart and so when you know when the next thing falls apart and you feel insane like you're going crazy like guess what it's already on its way to coming mm-hmm. back together Um, but that's going to be the perpetual cycle. And like, I think for me, so much of the work I needed to do was to accept that. Mm. And I'm definitely still working on it. I mean, that's not, I'm, I'm no Buddha, you know, Mm. (laughs) like, uh, but to accept that that like when you're in that deep pain and sit with it and see it and feel it that's the hardest thing about existing i think that i got off track on of the where no, i went with that we're but. in six
0: feet under which i love <laughs> which is just like but that, i, I yeah. think
1: just before just because i yeah. thought like i'm so happy for people that f- feel that they've found you know they're getting married they're in their place and they're having kids like all yes. of those things that's so incredible but things will fall apart for them, too. I'm I'm not yeah. saying those specific things. I'm just saying that we all will have our time periods. It's all cycles. We're all going to face it. And so, like, I'm having this ty- time period. They're having this time period. We'll have others, you know?
0: But let's, like, be fucking real about it. Mm-hmm. I loved what you said about you not wanting to be posting diary entries. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I read something at a show in the fall and Ruby McAllister was there and Ruby said when it was done, she was like, you know, that essay was kind of like in a qualification at a 12 step meeting. And it, from you? Yes. Okay. And it was, um, what I needed to hear. It was crushed. It, it, no, I'm, it was really good feedback because what she was basically saying was like, and she said this, by the way, about the, the Shia LaBeouf movie, Honey Boy, where she was I like, this is it. just like an AA qualification, which is just like – it's just like a list of grievances. But you're mm. not like transforming anything or subverting anything. Mm. And that is something I always keep in mind. I'm really happy that I have that in the back of my head now when I'm writing of like, what is this doing? Is this just me yelling? That's okay. It can be that. Uh, but like, what's the insight here? And – When I was doing the solo show, that was really in the back of my head. I was like, I don't want this to be just, like, um, a sad white gay Nanette of just, like, I'm mad. And I'm curious when you had to have to reconcile with, like, okay, how do I keep this uh, from being a diary entry? How do I keep this insightful? How do I keep—how do I get this to— do something. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about that for you.
1: Well, can I ask you first just about your creative process and what what that was like for you cuz I you mentioned that you went back through old diary entries yourself. Yes. So like cuz I mean, and I do think for writers keeping Di- journal entries is so important. Oh my god! Um, and I, I'm like, that's an, something I've been doing now for like a year and a half um, that I kind of gave up for a while, and I'm so happy to look back and see my growth. You know? Because
0: um, there is shit that you will forget about that you were where you're like, oh god. Of course.
1: Yeah, of course. And actually, I just found um, a diary I forgot existed from like 2013 through 15, and Ooh. it was fascinating to look through. Because um, guess what? I, I deal with a lot of the same stuff, and oh. so those are some ways that I haven't. Grown, which is also important. To know, and there's
0: but, a lot of foreshadowing where you're like, oh,
1: yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. But um but anyways, yeah, what was your process writing it like in general?
0: I was very happy to have a director because I felt like he was able to like mold it into something and he was the one who was like, no, you this you need to transform all this pain. Cuz I just wanted it to be 12 essays with a an arc, but he was like you you're not seeing that this like there's an obvious way that you can heal all this stuff in the in the writing itself. Yeah. So I I that really helped me. Um and yeah, I think like the first wave you just you just need to like throw it all out. And for me cuz I structured all of my essays based off of existing fictional texts, I could like act out whatever journey I needed to self-initiate through, like, Buffy or Catwoman, etc. But I think what you do is a lot more ambiguous because it's you being like, I'm going through this now. I don't know Mm -hmm. if this is going to end. And, like, that is what grief is, which is, like, this is always going to be a part of me in some way. So I think what you do is, like, a lot more dangerous and scary. (laughs) So I am curious about, like, how, how you keep it from... Or maybe it is OK that it's a diary entry, but how you mm. how you feel that you've you can elevate it or make it of service to readers, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the point of the newsletter was like I wanted to make something that I wanted to read. I mean, I'll be very mm. honest, like the first two to four weeks after that breakup, I just was seeking storytelling mm. deeply. I was online Googling yeah. how to get over a breakup. And breakup essays and, you know, finding, like, I've, like I'd like i never done this before when I've done it millions of I times. Know. It's just wild how fresh these emotions are. And anyways, I, I just consumed so much reading because it was – that's how I connect with the world, reading and writing. So it was so comforting for me to hear from real other people that, okay, like, everybody's gone through this. Um, yes, it feels like you're dying, but you're not. Actually, you've gone through this. And mm-hmm. you remember that. you And, in fact, to get past it. Um, and so, like – I, I wanted the newsletter to be that support system that I was looking for. Exactly. Yes. Like, um, and I do, and I feel like that's, that's how I know I've done. I've succeeded in a certain way with this project because when I do look back, it, it's like, this is what I wanted to read at that point in my life. And it continues to be, you know? Um, but I think like, I try, I, I definitely wrote with feeling mm-hmm. so, um that is where it did get like very dangerous and sketchy be- and and if i uh i would often especially like when i said when i was so deep in grief that i didn't feel safe like with i i didn't feel like i i could i had any judgment um mm-hmm. you know i didn't feel like uh i i was uh able to be like is this writing insane? <laughs> you know, so I I would give it to my friends, um, and they would kind of give it a look see, and I knew that I could trust what I, they were saying. Yeah, um, and I would edit the motherfucking hell out of it, like it, if there was a, you know one single line that scared me, and which I I barely ever said really anything about anyone personally at all, um, but I would cut 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 until I felt safer. Um, so I, I, in that way, like I was even still being less raw than I, but I, you know, I, I tried to be super honest about what I was going through because anytime shame made its way in, I was like, "Fuck shame! I'm done with that." <sighs> like I, the point of the project is to say, like, I'm a human being. This is what I'm going through. I'm deeply feeling and suffering, and like, and I know everyone has been through this or is currently in it. So that was like, it was guiding light of like authenticity, what I was going through in reading and how I could apply that to my life and future and, you know, be of comfort to people and myself. Um, and, yeah, sometimes it, like, sometimes the pieces would just pour out of me because I was feeling something so intensely. Um, and sometimes it would be more on, like, a theme I'd been thinking about, like, when things fall apart. I wrote a mm-hmm. piece just about this too shall pass and that mm-hmm. concept because it's been such a hard thing for me to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so, and I think that, you know, there was one time there was a piece that I wrote, and I got, and actually was after Fire Island, and um, so I, that was, you know, like, I was, like, two months out of the breakup, and um, I was so looking forward to that week, and, like, mm. hoping I would be, feel better for the week, and I didn't at all, right. and I had, I struggled, and um, I came home from that week, and I had a piece written, and I was like, this is a, a lie, I was like, I'm not, I'm not publishing this because it's, I'm not going to go say that I'm doing well when I'm not at all, you know? And so I just wrote something completely new. And, um, but that's like also how I policed myself. Like if it was based on shame or, uh, navigating around how I was actually feeling, I was like, no, I'm not doing this.
0: That is a very scary part of it. I have had, I'll read an essay one night out at a show and be like, Yes, I am fucking hitting it. And then this has happened. The next night, I'll read the same essay and be like this is a lie this yeah. is not true maybe this was true but this is now me hiding again and why am I wasting anyone's time with this so good for you that you could be like no bitch there's more yeah. just when you think it's over we're going back in
1: yeah and, and you texted me a few weeks ago when you were still writing the show mm. you texted me um, I've been thinking about it, it's not is this writing good it's is this writing true and I'm not you know like with all these entries I'm not not cracking any new codes like I'm not you know putting out literature that hasn't been said by millions of people way better than me way more articulate way more literate like all those things but it is something I as a normal young woman in New York am experiencing and that's enough like my truth there Mm. is enough for now um and yeah and I think the same for you like you if if it's honest and you can be proud of it then that matters more
0: When we were at Time Out, uh, one of the many interviews I was given freedom to do by you uh, was I interviewed Arielle Levy about her book, The Rules Do Not Apply.
1: Which I read for the newsletter, yeah.
0: And when I interviewed – because that book is based on her New Yorker story, which everyone should read, which is Mm -hmm. basically about uh, a miscarriage she had in Mongolia. And it's insane. And, like – One of the things I asked her when I interviewed her is I was just like, you know, how do you go from being a journalist who writes about other people to writing the most personal thing anyone could write about? And she said that her experience as a journalist covering other women gave her a sense of distance so that she could kind of view her story and her narrative a a little more objectively and see herself as a character in it, which helped her to write about it. And ironically, allowed her to go all the way in. So I'm just curious, like, you have so much experience uh, as an editor. And I'm just curious about how your – how all that experience has played into doing this project, which is pretty much all you. You know, the writing, yeah. the editing, the, the releasing.
1: Yeah, Um well, that was the other point. Of, I wanted the project to have a journalistic background as well because I wanted it to be something furthering in my career, not just me being like, here's how I'm feeling today. Yes. You know?
0: Yeah, otherwise do a Tumblr post. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, so that was where the, the journalistic aspect of interviewing people and um, reading books and talking to authors came into it. Um, and uh, something I've greatly... I've just like rediscovered during these months has been, I mean, I'm here to have conversations with people. I think that's part of my purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to try to reclaim that for myself as best as I possibly can. Yes. Because um, I, uh, yeah, I did so many amazing yes. interviews that nourished me at Timeout, and I just don't do that as much anymore. But with the newsletter, I have been. Yes. But um, yeah, I think... Uh, That's been, you know, knowing that I talking to these people, like my journalistic background, I have no fear in writing an email off to whoever and being like, you know, hey, do you want to do an interview? And guess what? So many people are receptive. Um, I mean, you know, Jason Green was probably like my first big interview get. um, And that was like so so affecting for me personally speaking to him because that book, I mean, it was the first book I read after the breakup. I cried all over this (laughs) goddamn town with it in hand. Um, And, you know, talking to him and him being like, I mean, he's, he's now, I think his daughter passed away four years ago. He has a new son and talking to him about where he was at in his grief, because that's one of the worst possible things any human on earth can deal with, um, was so incredible like to Mm -hmm. hear his perspective on things. Um, and to, you know, I never compare grief, like we're all dealing, but like, obviously I was going through something way less important than what he was going through, you know? So having that perspective, um, I, I've now started to reach out to, like, a lot of other female journalists and writers Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, line them up for different things uh, because writers are sharing all the time their pieces about, you know, here's my big anxiety problem. Um, you know, this is how medication for depression affected my creativity. Um, you know, I, and so I've got some really exciting things lined up and Mm. I think that's like the direction I want to keep going in talking to women about their life experiences and grief, loss, and heartbreak can really encompass almost anything. Um, like I said, I want it to be more big change, but yeah, I, I I want it to be a journalistic project where I I'm just having these honest honest conversations with women, and I think the other like my conversations with Sam, I feel like that specifically you just don't see that kind of sharing online, um, and you know I I. But if, if I could witness that kind of and podcasts are definitely one way that you do witness that you're mm-hmm. hearing people have these like really honest conversations about all sorts of things. And I do listen to a lot of podcasts, so that's great. But I don't think you see like those kind of like raw published conversations just between two normal people, not like a subject sitting with, a, you know, a journalist. And like I, I think that was different and great to put out into the world to be like these are two women who love each other and are suffering and supporting each other, you know. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's like all sk- using my skills that I have professionally and combining a super personal passion of mine that I hope I get to keep doing.
0: Um, something that, <clears throat> you know, Luminaries mentor Amanda Duarte and I have talked about is Amanda has said that, like, if she wanted to write a very post-Trump, angry white woman book about all the ways that men suck and all the grievances that she's experienced, she could in a minute and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that she's more interested in writing about um, the ambiguous spaces, the ways that we're all culpable, the things that we all buy into, and, like, the systems that fuck everyone over and how men and women are fucked up. And, like, I when you were talking about you and Sam, I was like, oh, yeah – It's the it's and with the newsletter in general, it's like you're actually going in, maybe not with such a moralistic stance, and you're really going in with actual like journalistic curiosity about like how women deal, and not about like this isn't just about like uh, all women are wronged. Period. It's about like all women are dealing and all people. I mean, but I
1: I, like Yes. yes, I've definitely I am a woman and <laughs> like that's the, the where my compass points. Yeah. But no, absolutely. Um thank you for saying that because I think that's absolutely true. Um my biggest you know, my biggest question, like I'll I'll be really honest, when I was in the depths of it, it's like, how do people get through life? Mm. You know? And that is the question that I am trying to seek out because and I found so many interesting, comforting, sad, amazing answers to that question because we're all dealing with things, and sometimes it, it will take you down to rock bottom, and sometimes you're going through life just fine. But you know, you're still you're holding your grief with you. We all do, um, and that's been fascinating to hear about from so many different kind of kinds of people about uh, death and toxic relationships. And, um, you know, I, I interviewed Amanda about her divorce and being in her forties and single after a long marriage, which hasn't been released yet, but it will be. Um, and all of, you know, it's just so many, I have so much to learn about life and dealing with life. And that's, that's really been the point of the project. It's definitely not, I want to know as much as I can so I can like continue to learn these coping skills because life will keep being hard.
0: And I think the the more you, like the, – the, the higher the stakes, like the, the more you enter the Brene Brown arena, as it were, the more you, like, do the thing you're meant to do and, like, even what you're doing with the newsletter, the stakes get higher and so life gets harder. That's because you're, like, coming out of – you know, you're coming out into the world. You're doing something bigger. Risking There's a, more. Exactly. So life – gets better I think yeah. but life also gets harder there's it's there's bigger consequences there's bigger challenges because you're you're now able I do think like you're able to deal with bigger challenges so like the coping can actually unfortunately never ends
1: that's i truly hope so that's the whole point for and the project you know although i definitely do want to like build a community and be a support system for people everywhere and i love when people talk to me especially when i was having such a hard time like the emails i would get and the dms Mm -hmm. and stuff like that nourished me Mm -hmm. in a huge way having those conversations um i i like I was filled – my cup was filled when I was having – the when I was doing these interviews and doing things like that, which, like, right. I know a lot of people are not like that, you know? Right. Um, so, for me, that's, like – that's work that makes sense for me. And
0: if you've been gaslit, the the real antidote to gaslighting is just having other people be like, oh, no, I get you and I believe you. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I never knew that. Would have been nice for me to know that a long yeah. time ago. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So where do you want to take this project, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I still really don't know. Um, It it is work and time, um, work I'm enjoying and work I feel refreshed about lately. Mm -hmm. But um, I, you know, it's I've already been doing it for over six months. Um, and it is like a lot of my time. And so I'm not making any money off of it now. If it was going to be something sustainable, I would like to, you know, make a, some sort of money financial thing on it so I could help support myself toward things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if I have a paying system come out at some point. Um, I'm also considering making it a podcast because Mm. again, I'm having these conversations They're They are recorded on my little tape recorder that I've had for a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and you know, I'm sure some people would love to just hear these conversations rather than, you know, read my little interview. I know people learn in different ways. Um, So that's another option that I'm not quite ready to commit to, but I could. And you know, if anyone's listening and would like to share their story of grief, grief, loss, heartbreak, change, I would especially love to hear from more LGBTQ plus people, more people of color. Um, You know, contact me because we, and it's not, by the way, I'm not just interviewing, you know, uh, authors or famous people. I mean, other than my Friend Sam, I've interviewed my friend. Um, my friend f- from high school's father is in jail for twenty plus years mm. for um, crimes he committed. We talked, and that was a fascinating interview to me. Talk about shame. Like um, mm. my, I interviewed recently uh, my friend who. Oh well, this she actually shared an essay about going through an abusive marriage and getting out of it. So, and these are just you know normal people. And this
0: is where you know Jill has a lot of editorial interview journalistic experience, which means to say. If you are coming out with a story that you've never really shared out loud, Jill is the type of person who would kind of give it format, structure, and do things, help you tell your story in a way that you're comfortable with, which yeah. means to say, like, it's not just a benefit to us. Uh, you know, this sort of thing can be healing for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have someone who can help you tell your story. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not exploitative, it's Thank you. actually giving.
1: That's absolutely. And I and yeah, I it's of the utmost important to me that I am taking deep care of whoever comes to me and wants to share their story. And I think I've done a good job so far. I you hope have. So. so thank you.
0: So this is unrelated. I want to ask you this because when we were at Timeout together, I feel like we got to do a lot of a specific service for a lot of like the performance and creative community in New York. And I. Media has changed so much, and I'm just so curious because you're like still really more in that world um, and you know a lot of publications, if you just think about New York only in new york that that um would cover creative people and kind of help launch creative people are either gone or they've changed and I'm just curious like what you think the future looks like and like how how this is all going to work,
1: yeah. It's it's really sad because I know both you and I hear from a lot of performers about, like, there is nowhere for them to get their show out there now. Yeah. Um, at least in our little two pages of the comedy section or the LGBTQ section we used to have, mm-hmm. um, at least you could put that comedy show at that small club on yeah. the page and they would get people. Come. I mean, that's what I've heard from many, many different people. I'm sure you have, too. So um, it's sad. And uh, I... I like definitely don't have a good response for that. Right. Um, I think that, you know, like it's the it's the booming age of the podcast, right? So I would say that the incestuous incestuous nature of podcasts i only mean that in the best way like you're having your friends on you're having your performers on you're having your comedians on that is one way that everybody's putting themselves out there um people actually get to know a little bit about you in that half hour or an hour and so they're like oh i want to go see that show um i mean if like for me i'm obsessed with twitter and that's where i'm getting a lot of Mm -hmm. info nowadays um i mean i'm finding out about shows and things like that do you do you find stuff like that out on twitter as well Because you're, I feel like you're more in the performative community now that I am. I
0: I get more on Instagram, but that's just because I'm more intimidated by Twitter. But I think it's the same. (laughs) I love your Twitter. Thank (laughs) you, but I like every time I'm on Twitter, I'm like uh, I I get so like tongue-tied and scared.
1: One out of ten tweets is about Buffy.
0: Truly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Thank God.
0: (laughs) It's my way of. Honestly, if you see my show, Buffy is language. Yeah. It's my only way of dealing.
1: I have never seen Buffy. And actually, your show genuinely inspired me to watch it because you just made her seem like. I mean, you talk about, like, you seriously, the grief that you talk about that Buffy went through. I was okay. like, this show is, I need to see
0: it. You and Sarah Michelle Geller are both Aries, let me just say. But <laughs> if you or anyone, let me just say this really quickly. If anyone is interested in watching Buffy, let me just tell you one thing. There are 144 episodes and I do not want anyone to watch all of them because some of them were done on a very low budget. Allow me to curate your yes. experience so that we can get to that core ooey gooey. But yeah, it, it is the most Unbelievable. It's To me, it's up there with Six Feet of just, yeah, like...
1: Which we've also... We've both had a very deep connection to that show as well.
0: And Six Feet is one... Like, what you were saying about how you all... Like, the, the lesson about, like, having to cope and deal is, like, a lifelong thing that you keep relearning. Because yeah. I just... You know this. I just rewatched Six Feet for, like, the 30th time. It was like watching it for the first time. Because yeah. I think as you get older, you're just like, okay...
1: That's just, I mean, it's yeah. just one of those shows where you're like, that's life. Oh exactly. my God, you know, I should rewatch. It's perfect, actually. Yeah. And it's like a, a lot of
0: the characters who I thought were wrong or fucked up were, it's the reverse that, you know, yeah. because yeah. it people are, and I just told you, I just rewatched Muriel's Wedding and had that too, where I was like, oh, this is so much more complicated than I ever thought. But um,
1: my dream is for you to uh, make me mushroom tea and then tell me which Buffy <laughs> episodes to watch with you on your couch. So okay. let's do that.
0: Today, okay. <laughs> also, regarding the mushroom tea, you know, <laughs> if anyone in the community, you know, I've provided a lot. I would love for people to just give it to me. I will brew it for you, but I'd love for people to bankroll it. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> this is a give and take situation.
0: Thank you. Okay. Um, I. I want to know. Sorry, I. The last thing – wait, the last tangent. Did you see the trailer for the new Ferrante, the new My Brilliant Friend season?
1: No, I never saw oh, the, the first one. I only okay. saw the like, first couple eps, but that's just a mistake on my part because I okay. really want to. But I've been – like, I also really want to read more Ferrante.
0: Fuck. I know. She has a new book coming out. Really? She's now one, her though. her identity
1: is like known by all. Or
0: is it? Or is it? <laughs> She's kind of a Hannibal Lecter type. I don't think we can ever really win against her, but uh, – Ferrante's tricky because like she also is in touch with darkness. And sometimes it's like this is too fucking real.
1: I have I have never I mean we talked about this at length because I borrow I literally read all four of those books in like three weeks uh, a couple a couple summers ago Mm -hmm. and I borrowed them all from you. <clears throat> and I read them because of you, you were obsessed with them, and I have never read a book about a woman's internal experience like that. Never.
0: Exactly. Yes. It was crazy. And it, and it. Sometimes I'm angry at her because I'm like, the, it it reflects the cruelty of like being alive. Yeah. And it doesn't really give you a break. It's really unrelenting. Yeah. I mean, you get like the beauty of of what closeness can give you, but it's also like, you know, Six Feet Under does end with a kind of zoomed out balance where Six Feet Under is like, life is awful, but life is also going to keep going and yeah. it's good and it's bad. Ferrante is really like, the, the, life is unfair. Mm-hmm. period.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, if you're in a situation where you're feeling bitter about being a woman and sexism and uh, unfairness in the world, maybe skip for a while cuz it
0: Yeah, you'll definitely get resonance and you'll oh. get someone who fucking gets it, but also like she doesn't really offer an easy way out. No. They
1: No. And they're all bad people too in their own ways. It's crazy. Yeah. But
0: Yeah. I mean I guess but she does I do think the thing she does do best is like you do understand that like the men who ruin these women's lives are puny and pathetic and like she shows over time how like the women basically outlast these men because mm-hmm. like the men just completely implode and like these women who survive their abuse are basically these like <laughs> rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like become stone but they also like they they do have what it takes. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very true to life. Lenuchia. <laughs> La <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the What's the beach that we are going to together? Ischia. Ischia. Yes,
0: yes. Well, so the the trailer for the new season is because you know season book two season two is like the Ischia. We're all going to be losing oh, our virginities, hymen popping, trauma season. So when I saw Ischia, I was like. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, yes. It's dark. We've all had our high and poppin' summers.
0: <laughs> I know, we all have. Mine was at Jewish summer camp, but, you know, might as well have been the Italian Riviera.
1: I mean, Italy is just very special to us. I mean, call me by your name. We're also going to ride our bikes through the countryside in Italy. Oh yeah, you tell <laughs> Cry a lot. I texted you that the other day. We must.
0: Mafalda. <laughs>
1: Hadri Asimhan will join us for a dinner. Like, it will be perfect.
0: That's, that's crazy, too. <laughs> um, so where can people follow you?
1: Okay. Uh, so I am Jilla Thrilla on Twitter and Instagram. Classically. Classically, famously, since I was a teen. That was my MySpace name way back in the day.
0: And you were the one... Because in many ways, I have no idea what's going on most of the time, and you were the one who I was like, "Jill, what is ASL?" and you were like, "Okay, you're gonna need to sit down. I'm gonna explain (laughs) some history to you." So yeah, you're way more tapped in with um, the youth and technology.
1: That's all that is.
0: <laughs> no, I often have no idea. I didn't know what TikTok... I may not know what TikTok is. You were oh, like, okay, I, this I is know. what the teens are doing.
1: Yeah, me, I've, I have I do still know what the teens are doing. Thank you so much. I am up on that. Um, me and my sister did, in fact, make TikToks together while I was on the holidays. <laughs> um so
0: at Jillathrilla,
1: yes at Jillathrilla. um it's cruel summer book club cruel summer book club.substack.com um please subscribe yes i I would love you to see what i'm doing it's free it comes out every tuesday um and what else my website is jilliananthony.com i think that's about it
0: you know what else is free and comes out every tuesday the luminaries podcast so i suggest you subscribe to both they are uh we are sisters we are sister uh publications
1: yes and uh, i i want to say thank you for you know having a straight woman on my god i'm so (laughs) blessed
0: this is one of the best interviews i've done on this show you are so cogent and eloquent and like you're ready like you're in it to win it so this was absolutely every second i cherish and thank you for being here i cherish you you too i love you here's to another five years (laughs)
1: love it love it (laughs)
0: If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five star rating on iTunes, write a glowing encomium, share it on your Instagram stories, email it to your Aunt Joan, and help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye bye.